0: Welcome to the Fix Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Robeck. Each week on our show, we invite a special guest to share their knowledge on health, wellness, and better daily habits so you can have the life you deserve. Let's get started. Today, we have Gigi from Helpful Movement on our show. I'm thankful that she's joining us today so she can talk about a technique called Feldenkrais. Uh, this technique is extremely valuable to help people understand how to move better and also to recover from chronic injury. That's just simply creating a state of despair in some people. Uh, she's going to explain what Feldenkrais is, her journey, and ultimately how she can help people get better into a different state of being. Gigi, welcome to our show. I've been, uh, very excited to have you on this show because, um, you obviously are mastered your craft and, um, You are a specialist in Feldenkrais, and we're going to discuss what that is and how you help people with it. Gigi started off as a patient of mine, I think sometime around 2006-ish, and thankfully, she became a friend and colleague, and now she's treating patients and getting people better through movement, and I'm very happy she's on today. So, Gigi, welcome.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity.
0: You're welcome. And, uh, you've helped me a ton and that's why I was thankful to have you actually work with us and then rent space from us for a period of time and, uh, co-tree clients. And, um, you know, we, we in the past have laughed quite a bit about the term or the name Feldenkrais. And obviously it's the last name of the creator of the technique. Uh, and, um, so Let's talk about what feldenkrais is, what you're calling it to the how you define it to the layperson and ultimately how you're helping people.
1: Yeah. So, so yeah, the name honestly is tricky for folks. It is. Um, but like you said, it's his name. So there's not too much we can do about that. Um, he, uh, he was a brilliant guy, honestly, in so many ways, well ahead of his time. He was definitely a very, um, early believer slash really practitioner in the fact that, We, as humans, the way our brains are set up, are designed to change and learn throughout our entire life. So, none of this, like all the brain cells you have, is the only brain cells you're ever going to get. And some things are just as they are. Of course, that's true to an extent. But he really put into practice this idea that um, our nervous system is plastic, meaning it's changeable, like at any stage in life. And so, he primarily applied that to movement and helping people move better but at the same time he really had this like very broad picture of what that actually meant um, in terms of how movement relates to our emotional state our thoughts our movement habits and how they're interconnected honestly with every single part of ourselves and how we relate to others and the environment so it's 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 a big big picture kind of thing. So, but he found a way to also make it very practical, you know, so not just this theoretical stuff, but very, very practical. So that's, that's where I think the brilliance in the method is.
0: That's right. So
1: yeah. yeah. For
0: listeners, uh, Feldenkrais is spelled F-E-L-D-E-N-K-R-A-I-S.
1: Cool. And Thanks for calling. Yeah. So in, case you're,
0: in case you're sourcing that, uh, and Gigi, uh, in case people want to find you, uh, where how can they find you?
1: Yeah, so I practice live out of San Diego. I am seeing people live um in my office, central San Diego. Um, they can reach out to me at my website, helpfulmovement.com, or they can email me gg at helpfulmovement.com, letter G, letter G. Very, very simple. Try to keep it easy. So yeah.
0: Gigi is also a professional ballerina. I'm assuming you're still dancing.
1: I am still dancing six days a week if my schedule allows. <laughs> uh,
0: so art through so. movement is obviously with Gigi's way. And so she knows how the body, she, she practices what she preaches, obviously. And she's, uh and she moves. And do you, what's your, are you, are you comfortable sharing your social media accounts so people can see? Yeah, totally.
1: Um, I'm not huge on social media, but definitely people can reach me that way. So I'm, uh, I would say I'm a little more active on Instagram than Facebook, but I am reachable both ways on Instagram. My handle is G dot G dot seven spelled out G G seven G And then I'm GG G Robinson on Facebook. So I'm, I'm reachable. I'm reachable. Um, and I, like I said, I see people live right now, but I also teach a class on Zoom. So that's been, um, you know, a big part of kind of how I have shifted through this unusual time where we were seeing people a lot less in person. Um, And that's another, um, you know, that's another brilliant, I think, part of the method um, is that it can be done hands on and we can get into a little bit more of that later. But it also can be taught in a in a group class format, whether that's live or, or Via video, um, so you know that's been a way that I've stayed connected with people, continued to help them through this really strange time. Um, but uh, yeah, so so Feldenkrais is a flexible method in that it can be considered, um, you know manipulative um, to use like maybe a chiropractic term or you know another type of body work there is manipulation that we do um, but it's always in collaboration with the person um, in terms of that we're always staying in movement ranges that are actually already available to them and we're we're essentially increasing their movement capacities by building on what they're already good at or what they're already comfortable with.
0: Do you mind so, if I, so I'd like to share um, my story and based on how you helped me and I would
1: that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, some people, uh, uh, some people know that I've, I've, I've damaged my shoulder playing rugby over five years and, and uh, I've had two surgeries and, um, along with lower back injury. And when I started working with Gigi, it took me two, maybe three visits to really comprehend what she was trying to accomplish. And after that third session, I'm like, I'm learning how to use my body more efficiently. I'm using, Mm -hmm. I'm learning how to use my entire body to move my limbs. I'm not just simply lifting my arm, not moving anything else. And you would think as a chiropractor being a semi-movement specialist, um, the, uh, there is a, there'd be a level of that understanding. However, when you're in your own body, you're unaware of the, either the limitations or restrictions that are self-imposed on you. Uh, where you're just simply going through the motions throughout the day without being educated on how to move. And for me, it was with my education, I was, it was kind of eye opening to say, wow, I know a lot about this. However, I'm not living it. I'm simply just going through the day and, and, um, creating more injury because I'm using my body inefficiently. And then you broke it down into, all right, you love to surf and you love the golf. So let's talk about how you're surfing. (laughs) And I'm like, Well, after I spoke to you and then I went back out and I surfed, I realized I was only using my arms to paddle. I wasn't using my hips and my torso. And I'm like exhausting myself unnecessarily because I was so inefficient. Same thing Uh with golf, all arms. And well, it was too much, too much in my head and too much in my arms. And then when I started using my body as a whole, based on your corrections and your knowledge and your education, it was a whole different relationship to movement and what I could accomplish as a human being. Uh, and that's where I had that massive buy-in. And I said, everyone needs to know this. And mm-hmm. so thank you for that, by the way. I still practice what you've taught me. And that's been
1: No, and 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 I actually remember clear as day that, that third session. I think you're right. I think it was the third session. We were working together on the table. And you almost like stopped me in the middle of what we were actually doing. You said, I get it. <laughs> you're, you're, this really is injury prevention because you're teaching me to move differently from the get-go. You're not fixing me. You're teaching me to move differently. Therefore, I'm not going to injure myself over and over again, like, like I have been. So yes, I, I remember that clearly too. And I think for you, it, um, you were actually already getting it unconsciously, but you needed that conscious connection for yourself too. And I think everyone does. And I think it just comes differently for each person. For you, it was in the middle of that third session and we took a pause and we talked about it. And um, yeah, this method is, um, uh, my new tagline is it's easy to experience, it's hard to talk about. (laughs) <laughs> or hard to explain. Easy to experience, hard to explain.
0: Which is yeah, um, which is why you're on this on the show today because I've been trying to explain to so many people what Felton Christ is without being a provider and it's I don't do it. A diss- I do it a service, And you're here to help everyone understand
1: and honestly, how to understand it. I'm actually, I feel in the same boat as you. I feel like <laughs> even my words do not actually do it service. But all of my mentors and all of my teachers have kind of normalized that for me. So now I don't feel incompetent <laughs> just because I also struggle with it. So, yeah, I think it is actually really easy to experience it and to feel it for yourself. Um, but I, I do think that that words um, words are difficult to come by when it comes to really encapsulating um. Because fundamentally, I think it actually the method itself, the work itself does affect people differently. And so it there is a there's sort of a, a very unique experience, I think, that everyone gains from it. A lot of people report. Oh, I just feel more aware of myself. I feel more aware of my movements and that's, that's huge. That's a huge piece. Like you said, you, you said it yourself, you said it a little differently. You said being inside your body is, is different than knowing how things should work. So again, kind of that intellectual knowledge versus that lived experience. So, um, so yeah, in the method, we work a ton with habits with self use, uh, with awareness. Um, but I always tell people too, I don't want you to become a micromanager of your movements. It's not actually about over intellectualizing or, um, breaking every movement down into a million pieces. Cause that, that can make us crazy, you know? Um, and, uh, I don't think it actually works either. I think movement is largely unconscious, but there's this interesting interplay between, Conscious awareness and knowing things, noticing like, oh, I use my torso now when I surf. Therefore, I really notice that there's a lot less strain on my shoulders. Um, But there's also this unconscious component. You might have actually, again, you were three sessions in before you had that that conscious awareness. You might have actually already been shifting your pattern. I don't know for sure um, on that unconscious level.
0: Now, as a provider... Um, I would imagine it takes time to understand an individual's body and for you to have, an, let's say, an hour session to go through and, and figure out what you would like to accomplish with somebody. What's a path for a provider to be able to do good work with a client?
1: Yeah, I think it it starts with listening. It really does. Um, I think the dialogue, um, hearing somebody, uh, reflecting back to them um, what it is they want to accomplish is huge. So I really start every session or every client introduction with as good of listening as I can manage in that moment, and really try to have that person first feel heard before we, we do anything. Um, I want to understand their motivations, what their goals are, what kind of, uh, difficulty or, or, um, you know, barriers they've had in the past to achieving those things. Um, and then, yeah, each person's movement patterns and habits really are unique. So that's a, Big thing I love about my job. I never get bored yeah. because even two people coming in with the exact same diagnosis or symptoms, they may have created those symptoms or issues within their habits through different pathways. So that fundamentally means I don't have a cookbook to work off of. I don't have. Um, a set protocol that correlates with each diagnosis. I have to essentially, um, watch, listen and feel, um, feel what they are doing in their body. Like you said, um, in terms of getting in their own way or blocking a movement pattern or over, um, it's almost thinking of the word like over segmentalizing, not to use such a weird word. I think I just made that up, but like you said, like just using your arms, like what about your ribs? What about (laughs) the power that comes from your pelvis? Even, even lying on a surfboard, you know, when you don't have the ground. So, um, so anyway, we go about that in a little different way for each person, but being all human, there actually are, are, are very typical patterns and it's taken me a while to kind of have those be, uh, come a little more clear to me as a practitioner, but yeah, I feel like as time has gone on, I've, I've seen that more and exactly the one you have mentioned is very common. So, um, so shoulder injuries or neck injuries because we're, we're overusing a part of ourselves and underutilizing another part of ourselves. So that's huge. Essentially on some level, sometimes without being rude, I actually ignored the symptom and I look everywhere else. Um, Uh, within that person, what they're moving, what they're not moving, and try to wake up those other parts so that they can help out that area. Usually the area that's hurting is actually doing too much. And so me going in and messing directly with that area sometimes is helpful. And I, I do do that. But I also, I feel like my job really is to wake up and connect in, link up the other parts of themselves so that stress is taken off of that area.
0: That's right. Um, I would, a bit of my experience, I, I think I met you after about a decade of practice and after a while you get a bit stuck in your way of what you think is helping people. And then as practitioners, we evolve, you know, every five years, you look back on what you were like five years prior. And it's like, huh, that was interesting. I don't necessarily do that anymore. (laughs) So, but at the same time it's evolution and growth and that's what it's all about. And, and, uh, for me, when I look at what we are doing, you know, for myself, as a chiropractor, I was, uh, I was, and still i am a very physical chiropractor, where I'd find restrictions in the body and eliminate and remove those restriction and restore mobility, uh, and restore the quality of motion within a joint, <laughs> yes. and hopefully the whole body. Now, what yeah. I was failing at, Gigi, was I would free up the body, but I wouldn't teach people how to move after the their body was free of restriction, uh, right. or or maybe free of pain. It's like okay, I did my job just go move like you normally moved or go back and do the same thing um, that maybe have created it. Uh, And now with a process like Feldenkrais, um, we're able to free up the restrictions through therapy Mm -hmm. and then be able to treat that, then be able to teach that skill of better movement through awareness Um, or maybe not even awareness. This is more your game, but subconscious ideally where you're not focusing on every movement pattern.
1: It's both. It's both because, because that is, I think the gift of awareness and consciousness is we can consciously remind ourselves or ask ourselves, I think is even a nicer way to go about doing it. Like, am I using my ribs right now? As I reach for this object, as I, as I go to paddle, what's happening on the opposite side, you know? So asking a lot of questions, I ask questions continuously in my mind within a session quietly, not bothering the client, but, um, but yes, that idea that, um, you know, the, we bring that mobility back into some bigger picture Feldenkrais called that the self image. And, you know, we can all relate to this idea of body image. That's kind of a common term these days. But self-image, I think, is, you know, maybe a little jargony or whatever. But what it really means is he said that we we operate in the world according to our self-image. So if we see ourselves as a stiff person, we actually operate in a stiff kind of way, or if we see ourselves as not capable, then that, that plays out and, and vice versa. So we open these capacities through movement and then we actually start having a different experience of ourselves too. But yeah, I think you bring up a really good point just about the mobility is one thing. But the movement pattern and how that relates to the whole is a whole other thing. I'll never forget it. In in my training course, one teacher just said one day, do not be proud of yourself for loosening up someone's shoulder do not, you know, um, because we were learning like shoulder mobilizations or whatever. And, and, you know, that was like a punctuation point for me in training. What she meant was that's actually potentially dangerous. If you focus over focus on an area mobilizing and you don't bring in the other parts around that area, you actually might leave it more vulnerable. And we see this with like, you know, shoulder dislocations or sprains like there is essentially excess mobility slash the brain hasn't integrated that part back into the hole and brought the other parts around that part to um, help that movement be be healthy movement. Um, You know, it feels good to have a loose shoulder, but um, it might not actually be enough in that moment. So that that was I'll never forget that, you know, our (laughs) teachers. (laughs) bring up these really interesting, um, ways to just kind of, yeah, like you said, operate differently, check yourself. Um, yeah. h- how are we functioning as providers? Uh, what are we thinking? How are we thinking along the lines of how we help people?
0: That's right. You have to humble yourself and understand that the body is really doing it and we're just assisting it.
1: Yeah. We're just assisting. Yeah. So Feldenkrais didn't consider himself a healer. Um, and even the Feldenkrais, um, you know, uh, on the, in the most technical sense, we are considered actually movement educators. This is actually, even though it's hands-on, it can be hands-on, um, it's considered movement education. And we mean that on the intellectual level, like we've talked about, we mean that on the unconscious level in terms of. Um, restoring somebody maybe to a more natural movement pattern that they did have at one point in their life so um, those those programs those pathways those capacities that variation of movement that we do much more naturally as a kid we get very stereotyped as grown-ups like the same thing over and over again um, that's all within our nervous system and so it's just about um, revisiting those ideas and that's why sometimes a big Change can be made really quickly because it's just almost a remembrance of something versus, oh, we had to learn this whole complicated thing. Uh,
0: we spoke about golf and surf, and that those are more of your aggressive activities uh, that people do recreationally. Uh, yeah. We can simply talk about walking. Uh, when we yeah. look, if you go to a mall or wherever you want to go now, park, and yeah. you watch people walk, you're going to typically see. People shuffling their step, their their feet to move forward in comparison to, I I think we all have seen speed walkers on, in the Olympics, which is ultimately how we're designed to move. Uh, even though they look, it's funny to watch. Uh, however, that's a more of an aggressive state of walking. However, (laughs) our hips are supposed to move to propel ourselves forward. And we forget that. And we especially forget that if we suffer an injury potentially to our lower back. Uh, yeah. and I think breaking it down to something that we all have to do on a daily basis, something as simple as walking and yes. learning how to walk well. Yes. Once we learn how to walk well and move our body the way it was designed to, it can start to heal. Yes. And I think Definitely. that's important for us to discuss if you can get into that a bit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, walking and that type of basic movement pattern is very complicated. Ultimately, we kind of take it for granted, I think, on the whole, but it's it's complex. Um, but like you said, it's also a rich place, a rich source of how people can either injure themselves or 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 help to restore themselves to a more natural um well-being. Um, so, so yeah, the, the whole hip movement wrecked largely. We do see people shuffling. Also, I would say, um, especially nowadays if we're walking, carrying a phone or texting or whatever, we're also not using our arms. We're not swinging our arms anymore. Um, and that too, you see in speed walking, right? Like the extreme shoulder counter rotation to the hips. Um, so yeah, walking happens in a 3D dynamic kind of way, um, and definitely, um, calls for rotation in the, the hips versus the torso, the shoulders being really active, shifting one over onto one leg, then onto the other, um, using the ground, feeling the force come through yourself. So, um, But yeah, I think, and in Feldenkrais, no matter how complicated of a diagnosis or issue that somebody comes in with, we can go to a simple pattern. It's not simple, it is complicated, but a basic pattern, let's call it, um, of walking. And just think about improving somebody's gait. And like you said, see what kind of ripple effects it has on the whole system. Um, another real big take home I took from training is that, um, yeah, if you improve one plane of action, another plane of action will definitely improve. And that's how we are sometimes very sneaky as Feldenkrais practitioners, because we tend to work in a way that does not go into the pain, does not emphasize the dysfunction or the pain. So sometimes that means avoiding a plane of action altogether. If flexion is very evocative for somebody's, you know, low back pain or extension for that matter, then, then we work in rotation and we, we do not emphasize, we don't push through and that's that's fundamental difference of Feldenkrais than a lot of other therapies it's sort of the anti no pain no gain it's it's actually we go towards pleasure we go towards at the very least neutrality in the sensation of movement and and on the upside we go towards pleasure so I ask people how does that feel does that feel nice like you know, are we staying in a good place with your movement? And I think even that it takes people aback that that they don't have to suffer through their therapy. You yes. know, in fact, we go towards pleasure because integrated functional movement is very pleasurable feeling. Um, but we lose we lose track of that um, in our day to day.
0: Yeah, and with uh, the effect Feldenkrais has on the nervous system is remarkable speaking about, um, structural movement and efficiency and injury prevention. But you saw me on your table after a 45 minute or hour session, mm-hmm. I'm a guy that has a very hard time coming down, especially in the middle of the yeah. day. I am, yes. I'm on fire and yeah. I would like to not be on fire as much as I am all day long. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> there's one thing, uh, that knocked me out. Uh, and it's yeah. that. And that's, and then these in office sessions that I had with you is like the response to my nervous system was also remarkable, so I had this double whammy effect of learning, yeah, uh, understanding how my body should move, and then having yeah. this feeling of calm is what yes. quite remarkable yeah. Can it's you elaborate profound. on that?
1: I agree that's how I got addicted to it, honestly, and I'll just share a little bit related to that personally i I was recommended feldenkrais after having having ankle injury that just plain old wasn't getting better. I was like 14 months into it, and I had tried so many different things. And um, you know, it was actually my ballet teacher that bought me my first session and just essentially said, go see this woman. And so I did. You listen to your ballet teacher, like she tells you to go somewhere, you go. Okay. And so um, you know, I told her my story, whatever. We had a session. Um Definitely, my leg, my ankle felt different after the session. But but I agree, the most uh, striking thing that I personally experienced in that first hands-on session was this profound calmness, and it actually was such a contrast to how uh, I guess ramped up my mental state had been, mostly around the anxiety of not getting better. Am I ever going to get better? And it literally was a huge state shift for me to the point where from that point on, I knew I was going to get better. And I kind of developed this new mantra from like, like the spinning thought process of, am I going to get better? Am I going to get better too? I will get better. I don't know how or when, but I will get better. And that's, it like from that point on, that's how I felt about the injury. Um, so I share with people that like it affected my emotional state around my injury way faster than my physical state around it. And um yeah, we don't we don't encounter that. I think Feldenkrais is very special that way. Um, another personal anecdote as a dancer, I went through a period, it kind of felt like it came out of nowhere, of like um, performance anxiety. I loved class. I loved rehearsal. And I was like having really bad performance anxiety, such that on stage, I was not having fun. I was really in my head. My movements felt clunky and chunky and just, you know, not fun. It, it was just doing it to do it, but it wasn't fun. And halfway through the training program, I had a very small informal performance. And again, I'll kind of never forget it. I don't think I was like looking for my anxiety, like how come I'm not more anxious as we're about to perform. And then I just did this, whatever, three minute duet with somebody. And I will never forget that performance because I was so calm and I was in much more the sensory state of movement. Like this is what it feels like to bend both my knees and lunge forward and the pleasure of that. And from that point on, I've, just been a lot calmer and yeah, it's helped my general state, um, come down, like you said. Um, so it's, it's a powerful tool for that reason as well. And being calm is, uh, getting into a calm state, having the ability to shift our nervous system state is also a very important component of health. I would argue in general, how many people suffer from poor sleep or poor interpersonal re you know, uh, interactions. And they realize like, I yelled at that person cause I couldn't calm down. You know, I couldn't bring my calm self to that conversation or that interaction. So, um, and same thing around an injury or healing, like we can get really amped up and, you know, anxious.
0: Well, I, th- I think I've heard more than once after, um, uh- Going through that out the day, maybe a staff mentioning to me, maybe you should go see Gigi and <laughs> a very gentle, passive aggressive approach right. to maybe you can calm down a little bit. Right. It's gonna be okay. Uh, but on on the side note of that, you know, it also for me um to come full circle, it allowed me to feel more like an athlete. It allowed me to say, yeah. okay, I'm like what I was doing before was very caveman-like. Um, yeah. and now it's like I'm actually using my body uh, in an educated way and feeling more like an athlete and being more efficient and more functional. And I yes. would never, I shouldn't say never, maybe at some point, but you know, you really, um, had, it was a quite a bit of, it was an awakening, awakening for me. Yeah, um,
1: yeah, yeah. fundamentally Feldenkrais improves coordination. People don't come in asking for that because they don't know that that's what they're missing. Cause we can't, it's, Coordination is very hard to sense when you don't have it. Right. It's probably even hard to sense when you do have it. It's, but um, why is Michael Jordan so pretty to look at? Cause he's, he's so coordinated and all the great athletes, they're beautiful to watch because they are doing the bare minimum. They are operating at maximal efficiency and they know where every square millimeter of themselves are in space, you know? So, so people don't come in asking for coordination. They don't come in asking for a more neutral place to be in the world but that's always on my mind for them and i think i think that is the difference between feeling not like an athlete and an athlete that that fluidity that calm that coordination that simplicity we talk about does that oh it feels simpler now to do this it feels less um chunky rigid you know jagged kind of thing
0: so we're going to we're going to wrap this up but i do want to ask you one question one more question Who are the people that you love to treat? Who are the people that are finding you that you're really enjoying the experience of working with and um, who should be seeking out Feldenkrais so they can get better? You cover know, I'm
1: so biased. <laughs> I think everyone can benefit. Um, because again, it's considered an education system. So you don't have to be broken. You don't have to be in pain to, to benefit. Um, I do love working with athletes. I, I love seeing how that plays out, um, in the quality of their movement and their performance. I had a, I had a little 11 year old dancer on my table. Uh, it was her first session. Honestly for a dancer you know her movement was pretty restricted her coordination was also pretty restricted I didn't know if anything was going to come out of that session but she reported to our mutual ballet teacher I did four pirouettes on point for the first time in my life you know and the teacher said well what do you attribute that to and she said oh the session I think it really helped me so um But I love working with a huge variety of people. I think that's my personal nature is just, um, you know, liking to work with a challenge. You and I have shared some pretty challenging clients with with, uh, tough situations going on. Um, But I like variety. So I I like working with young people, old people, everyone in between, dancers, non-dancers. So I'm not picky. I just like working with people that have an open mind and are just open. Into that new, new experience. But I will say this, we can't leave without giving people an experience. We have to do a quickie, don't okay. you think? Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. So, uh, like we said, we can't say it's easy to experience and then not let people experience it. So let's do just a basic, um, kind of rotational investigation. Like how well do we turn? How do we turn from one side to the other? So let's just check it out for ourselves. We'll just lightly without going into a stretch or strain range. We'll just lightly turn to look to one side. And just notice what you see in the room. Maybe you do that one or two times just for you to kind of like see where you see in the room. Yeah. Good. And then do you, Sean, have a side that felt easier to you?
0: Yes, uh, right side okay. was a lot easier than the left side.
1: It was a lot easier. Okay, so go ahead and take. So we'll work with your easy side. That's also something we do with Feldenkrais. We want to improve your less easy side. We do, but we're actually going to feed off of your easy side. We're going to help learn in detail what you're doing that makes the easy side easier. Okay, so turning to the right, you said was easier. Yes. Yeah. So take your left hand and place it on your right shoulder. Yeah. And now take your, your right hand and support your left elbow. Yeah. So there you go. So feel the weight of your left arm with your right hand. Good. Now turn to your easy side a couple times. So just turn and come back to the middle, turn and come back to the middle. Good. Maybe one or two more times, just that easy turning back to the middle. And last time, let's go turn back to the middle. Good. We're going to turn again to your easy side, and then you're going to stay turned to your easy side. Go for it. Go turn to your right. And now bring your head and eyes back to the center, but keep your torso turned to the right. Yep. And now bring your head back to your shoulder. So now your head alone is moving to the right and to the center. Good. Just a couple times. Great. And then the next time you're looking at your right shoulder, stay there with your head and eyes. Yeah. And now just bring your eyes back to the center. So just swish your eyes to the center and over to the right. Just a couple times. Good. And then let that go and let everything go. Come back to the center. Good. And now check out what it's like to turn to the right. See? what you do. See if you see further, see if you experience the turn a little differently. Yeah. What do you notice there? I'm going further. Yeah. Yeah, With ease. With ease. Yeah. Check out your less easy side.
0: I just got some pops in my middle back.
1: Okay. (laughs) Okay. So we're waking something up in your middle back. Are you also turning easier to your less easy side?
0: Yeah, I can see further to my left.
1: Yes. So without even doing something to your less easy side, you, are, you actually have improved that range as well. So and what I see, and I don't know if this is going to be audio or video or both, but what I see is when you first turn to the right, you essentially were exclusively moving with just your neck, your head, which is very common. And now where do you feel yourself moving from or what do you feel is moving in your turning?
0: Yeah, uh, torso
1: torso then yeah. head. yeah. Yeah. So we integrated the idea of like, what the heck are we doing? Turning just with our neck. Like that's stressful. You know, <laughs> you have all this other part of you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, that's yeah. It,
0: I'm glad you so saw
1: neurologically, that. We woke that up and now you have integrated that. And now you're turning from lower down in yourself and your head's going for the ride and you can see further. That's
0: right. And, yeah. from, and for me, what I felt going to the left after, after I went to the, um, the feel good side. And then back to the left side, I felt that release in my torso. Once I was able to open up and actually look further over to the left.
1: Yes. Yeah. And in a class we would do both sides. It's not that we ignore the side that's not as easy, but often we do work with the easier side. We work with the availability of what you're already doing well. And presumably you're, you're more coordinated looking to the first side. Yeah. Yeah. So but I think yeah.
0: people um, that are that are listening, if if obviously felt can help variety or the gamut. However, if people are suffering and struggling with uh, injury correction, and they they have a, an injury just won't go away and stubborn, and they're frustrated or they're in a state of despair, um, this technique can be remarkable, and I highly. Suggest seeking out a provider in uh, your area. So if you're not in San Diego uh, and you want an in-person experience, is there a network that people can go to to find providers, Gigi?
1: Yeah, there is. Uh, Feldenkrais.com has a database of providers that are certified. Um, and the training itself is is a four-year certification program. So even though we're considered movement educators, we're not licensed health providers, we are really well-trained because uh, we do work with people and their whole system, and we do move them uh, with our hands. So, so yeah, people can go to Feldenkrais.com and, um, search their local, uh, for their local provider. You can also just do a Google search and, um, and, and see who's in your area. And again, more and more providers over this last year have gotten just more comfortable, even with doing, um, you know, it can't be physically hands-on through zoom, but we can tailor make, um, you know, a movement program for you to, um, to help alleviate, um, any distress or dysfunction. One last thing I'd like to just mention again, that I think differentiates Feldenkrais and, um, is that it is incredibly gentle. It it is, we tend to deal with very small movements. We take a big movement pattern, we break it into component parts and we put it back together, but in this very small, almost delicate way. So even when people are in a great deal of distress, it tends to be a modality that um, they can tolerate um, and tolerate pretty well. Um, so anyway, just thought I would mention that too. We hadn't really touched on that.
0: Thank you so much for your time and being on today. It was really great to see your face again. It's been too long. And, uh, Thank you, John. Hope you can connect when I'm back in San Diego, but again, this is a wealth your wealth of information. Please reach out to Gigi. We obviously uh, talked about how to find her in the beginning of the show. Uh, and feel free to DM her or um, reach out to her. She's a wealth of information and a very selfless individual. That's just on earth to help other people be better. So Gigi, thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Sean. Really appreciate
0: it. Love you. Love you too. Have a good rest of your day.
1: Bye, uh, you too.
0: Bye-bye. Hey, everyone. I hope you enjoyed our show. If you did, please like and subscribe to stay tuned. See you next week on another episode of The Fix Podcast.